Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. Yesterday, I was walking in the Bellevue Mall to do some shopping, uh, buying some gifts for people in Colorado. Because everywhere we go, we'd like to bring gifts to them. We want to bless people, local people there. And while I was walking, I noticed a lot of people shopping. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Do they know me? And if they know me, do they know my truth? Do they really understand what I say? And then suddenly the Holy Spirit spoke to me again. He said, I assign you as a pastor of this church. I assign you. I command you to educate my people the truth of God. Because my people are destroyed due to the lack of knowledge. And my people need to know my truth. That's what God spoke to me. And I said to God in my heart while I was walking, God, why me? This is not an easy job because I have to study Bible a lot. I need to understand. I need to hook up to the Holy Spirit. I promise you I'm not going to teach any wrong doctrines in this church. I'm not going to do anything bad. I'm going to stay with the truth. But why me? It's not easy. Why don't you use somebody else? And God say, you just obey me. You need to educate my people. Therefore, I want to let you know my calling and my responsibility here in this church and in the body of Christ is to educate God's people the truth of God. And I want to educate you everything in the Bible as much as I can. I have limited time and energy, but I will do the best I can to educate you. Because I want all of you to be blessed and know the way of the Lord. So many people are destroyed because they don't know the way of God. They make the wrong choice. They do the wrong things and they get into trouble. This is why we need to know. And this is another reason I make teaching into series in YouTube. Or we have the table out there that you can pick up the teaching or order. Teaching in MP3. You can bring in the memory stick and download the MP3 for free. We don't charge you any penny to get the word of God into your heart. I I do my job and your job is to seek the truth. You remember Jesus said that those who hear my word and do it will be like a house built on the rock. And when the wind comes, when the storm comes, that house will not fall down. But two kinds of people, those who never hear the word, or those who hear the word but don't practice the word. When the wind comes and the storm comes, that, that house is built on the sand. And the house is going to fall down. So I want you to be a house built on the rock. And one day when you get to heaven, you're going to have a lot of rewards. And God is going to say to you, good and faithful servant. Today I want to change the subject. I like to keep changing the subject. You cannot guess what I'm going to preach next Sunday. So that you cannot stay away from me. 
You may think that, oh, he's going to preach the same message last Sunday. No, I changed. You cannot guess what I'm going to preach. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, in New King James Version say, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house. We each one is a spiritual house. And all together corporately, we are building the house of God, the church of Jesus Christ. And not only that, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Everyone say acceptable. In Amplified Bible, it says, come and like living stones, we are not dead stones, we are living stones, be yourself built into a spiritual house for a holy, dedicated, consecrated priesthood. This is why I love the church. I really commit my life to a local church because I believe I'm a living stone, I'm a part of the local church, and I want to build a local church to offer up those spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable, pleasing to God through Jesus Christ. This is the main scripture for this series of teaching called Greater Blessing. If you go into YouTube, you type in Greater Blessing in New Hope, you're going to find this is the eighth lesson in this series. Before I go on, I want to say something here. In our Christian walk, when you read the Bible carefully, you will see that there are two sides of the story. One side is God's side. God's side. Another side is man's side. It's so wonderful if we say, I believe God can perform miracles. God can heal. God can provide for me a wife or a husband or a job or finances. Wow, God can do it for me. It's wonderful to believe that, that God can. But at the same time, God expects you to do something about it. Your side of the story. This is why if you read the promises of God in the Bible carefully, you notice a word in the promises of God. The word, if, I-F. If you do this, God will do this. If you don't do it, God will not do it for you. You need to do your part as believers. If you are stubborn, you're rebellious, you're stiff-necked, heart, hardened, and you disobey God, you cannot expect God to do something for you. Because the covenant of God is two sides. When I bought a home, they say, I'm going to give you the title to own the home. But I have to do my side. I need to write a check and send to the company, to the bank. I need to do my part. It's a covenant. That's why I like this scripture. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. If you are, everyone say if. You are willing and obedient. You shall eat the good of the land. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. What if you are not willing? What if you are disobedient? What if you are heart hardened and you are really stubborn and you say, I'm going to quote the grace of God and do what I want. God is going to have grace for me. By the way, I want to tell you something. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 says that one of the ways God shows love to us is by disciplining us or spanking us. That's how God shows love. 
So if you keep rebelling against God, you may get a spank from God, and I got a spank many times from God by. If you don't care what God say, you cannot expect God blessing, and the fulfillment of the promise of God. Psalm 68 verse 6 say, "But the rebellious dwell in a dry land." You see, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you are rebellious, you shall live in the dry land. Dry land can be anything: lack of money, bad relationship in the family, broken home, poverty, sickness can be all kind of things in the dry. I will allow the word of God to renew my mind. I want to be a house built on the rock. Hear and do. Hear and do. That's what Jesus said. Matthew chapter seven. When you hear my word and do it, you are a house on the rock. I don't want to be conformed with the things of the world, but I want to follow the way of the Lord. A while ago, we read in First Peter chapter two that. We are the priesthood. If you read the Bible carefully, you will notice that God make us kings and priests unto Him. What does it mean, kings? Kings mean authority. You can listen to the teaching series that I produced long time ago, called "Reigning in Life Through Christ Jesus." We have authority to reign in our own life. We are kings. I don't reign, you know. I I don't control you, but I can control my own situation. When sickness attack me, I have authority. Get out of here right now! I am king. I am a king. I have authority to command you to go away. So I have authority to rule this life in Christ through Christ Jesus. But not only that, we are also priests unto the Lord. What does it mean, priest? We are the holy priesthood. What? Did the priests in the Old Testament do? The priests in the Old Testament spend a lot of time, do a lot of works, and they also use a lot of energy in the offering of the Lord. They spend hours and hours to offer up the spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. We are in the New Testament, and we are the priests of God as well. Therefore. Our responsibility, our job title in the kingdom, is to offer up the spiritual sacrifices to God, but not any sacrifice. Only the sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God. Actually, when you talk about offering, what is the offering? The offering means something that is offered to somebody. Something offered to somebody, and when you offer something to somebody, they have choices, such as they accept it, they use it, or two, they grab it because they don't want to hurt your feeling, and they throw the garbage can, or three, they say no, I don't want this, return to you, I don't accept this offering. Is that right? You cannot force the receiver to receive your offering. They can say no to you. This is the reason why the Bible say, 
Our offering to the Lord must be acceptable and pleasing to God. Therefore, when we talk about offering, it's not just about passing the offering back to you and put one cent in there and say, I did my part. Okay, one cent. Or you just go to somebody's house and bring some food to that person's house. It's more than just handing something to somebody. Okay, the Bible talks about spiritual sacrifices. What does it mean? Even though we are doing a lot of things in the natural. This morning, everyone woke up, brush your teeth, comb your hair. You get dressed, you come to church, you drive to church. You walk in here in the natural. You do a lot of things in the natural. But God consider what you have done to be spiritual when you did it with your heart. You did it in faith. You did it in love. The best you can do and by the direction of the Holy Spirit. Okay, listen one more time. You did it in by your heart, not as a duty, not being forced from your heart. You did it in love, by faith, the best you can. I want to give you the best. And also, you do it under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Whatever you do for God out of these factors, God consider spiritual, which means come from your spirit. And when you do it that way, do it that way, it's acceptable and pleasing to God. So before you listen, this is an introduction. Before you listen to this teaching, you may say that, Pastor, tell me what I need to do. You tell me. No, I'm not telling you. I want to let you know, this is between you and the Lord. This subject is not between you and me at all. The word of God is between you and God, whether you're going to obey him or you're going to do something that is pleasing and acceptable to him or not, is your own choice. This is the business between you and God, not between you and me at all. For me, I have only one life to live. Jesus carried a cross. He was nailed on the cross. He suffered. He shed his blood. He died for me. He was whipped at the whipping post so many times. And he loved me so much. What I want to do is to please him. I want to obey him. And I want him to be pleased with me. And he will bless me so that I can be the blessing to the nations. I want to live a life that God will smile at me from heaven. I don't want to have trouble with God, basically. <laughs> the person that you want to have trouble with is God that's not good. To really please the Lord. Again, this teaching has no hidden agenda to stir you up to give to the church. I promise you, there is no hidden agenda at all in this teaching. I just teach you the word of God. But faith, hearing, and hearing of the word of God. I want you to live a life that is pleasing to God. I want you to do everything by faith. Spiritual, not carnal, not out of compulsion, not because somebody forces you to do it. You do things out of your heart. So when we talk about spiritual offering, there are so many things, such as worship. A while ago, when we praise and worship God, we are giving spiritual sacrifices to him. We gave up the time of sleep. 
wanting to come. Instead of sleeping in, we just praise and worship him. Out of your heart, out of your love, by faith, when you serve God, you do anything for the kingdom of God, out of your that is a spiritual offering or spiritual. The spiritual sacrifices are something that you give to God willingly, freely, not under compulsion, not because somebody put guilt on you, not because you are forced to do or you are manipulated to do it or you feel shame if you don't do it. No, no, no. You do it joyfully, willingly, happily, and freely. No one forces you to do anything. If you give to God your time, your money, by force or caution, no matter how much money you give or how much time you give, it's not spiritual sacrifice or spiritual. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 to 8 say, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. So when you serve, you give, you do something for God, smile, be happy. Don't feel being forced. Don't be unhappy. Amen? Happy to come to church. You walk into the church, not like another Sunday. No, no, no. You walk in smile, cheerfully, happy to be here. Your wife come here. <laughs> Willingly. Okay? And the Lord said, and God is able to make all grace about toward you that you always, always, I like that word, having all, always, all sufficiency in all things, whether money, strength, wisdom, uh, good health, all things, always, all sufficiency, and may have an abundance mean more than enough, not just get by. But more than enough for every good work. Our church doesn't have a mentality that you are forced to give and are you forced to do anything for God. You do it willingly. And we will not accept anything from you if you give in order to buy a position, to get some favor from me, or you will... Uh, be able to teach and come on the microphone if you give $1 million and I will give you microphone? No. If you give with that attitude, we don't accept it because you try to buy something. You try to gain something by using money. And if you're forced to give, we don't accept it either. My dear brother and sister, we don't have this mentality. I used to go to some meeting and I, the preacher preached about giving for an hour until I cannot stand anymore. I have to pull out my checkbook and write something. Because the mentality is this, if I check people long enough about money, the money is going to drop out of their purse, and they're going to be blessed no matter what kind of spirit they have. I don't believe that. I believe that if you're going to give, you give it cheerfully, out of your heart, not because somebody manipulates you. Amen? No manipulation in this year. I think you know me long enough that I'm not the type of manipulating anybody. It's just about the heart. Spiritual. It's about the heart that is pleasing 
and obeying God. The book of Malachi show us that the Lord was very displeased with the children of Israel in that generation. At that generation, they did not use a currency or dollar bills. But the people of God in the time of Malachi, they brought in blinded animals, broken sheep, sick sheep, cheap sheep, not expensive one. The, the one that they want to kick and throw away. And they brought that to God. And God was not very pleased with them because they did not honor God. So God said to them, why don't you try to give all this junk to your governor and see how your governor is going to do. I want to get somebody to close the door of the temple so that no one can come and give anymore because I don't want to accept your giving. That's what God said in the book of Malachi. After we read the book of Malachi, we find out that God cares about giving. God cares about the offering. You remember in the Bible, Jesus was standing in the temple and he watched the rich gave, the poor widow gave, and he even made a comment that that poor widow gave more than these rich people. God looked at the heart. God was very displeased with the people of Israel in the generation of Malachi. God really rebuked them because they have the coldness of heart. They're backsliding and they are worldly and carnal. This is what I noticed in my pastoral work. When Christians start to be cold with God, lost the first love for God, backslidden and become worldly and carnal. The first thing that gets out from their heart is the area of giving. They don't want to give anymore. Because giving is a sign of the heart. It's a thing that you can see how much you love that person. This is a big subject because it's concerning the heart. When you study the Bible carefully, you find out that whenever God's people are so full of the Holy Spirit and they're so on fire, they have first love for Jesus. They're so spiritual. They love God so much. You find out that they are generous. They're happy to give. They're happy to serve. They give with free will and willingness of the heart. Look at Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. Now all who believe were together and had all things in common. This after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. They were so on fire for God. They were so filled with the Holy Spirit. They really loved Jesus so much, sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they are ate, they gave their time, they opened their house, they sold their possession and share money with one another, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The Bible said that the early church Christians were full of the Holy Spirit. They're on fire. They sold to one another. They gave to one another. No one was in need in the church. The more spiritual you are, the more generous you are. The more carnal you are, carnal means fleshly. You yield to the flesh. You yield to the sinful nature. The more selfish you are, the greedy you are, and the more love money you are, 
you don't want to let go. You have a, a glue on your hand, like the movie called Home Alone and Spider-Man, whatever Spider-Man, and Home Alone, the glue on the hand. You don't want to let anything go out from your hand because the Bible says the love of money is the root of all kind of evil. I noticed one thing: if you sin against God, one thing, and you don't repent, it's gonna go to next, 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 and the condition gonna get worse because you open the door more for sin if you don't want to repent of your selfishness and greediness. Malachi chapter three verse six. I hope you don't get mad at me. For I am the Lord. My job is to teach you. For I am the Lord. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. The Lord does not change. How he was in Malachi time, he's still the same today. He does not change. Now look at verse seven. Now he was rebuking, correcting the children of Israel. Malachi chapter three, seven to twelve. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. They did not obey the commandment of God. They backslid and have not kept them. Return to me. Repent. Return to me. And I will return to you. It's a condition. You return to me. I return to you. But if don't walk away from me, I cannot help you. In fact, when I read this sermon four times before I preach, I read four times already. I try to understand and I enjoy it so much. God say this to me. You know, son, this world full of virus, full of bacteria, full of demons, full of evil things, and they are ready to attack you any time. There are like lions that roaring and looking to devour people. You are living in a very bad world, evil world, demons, sickness, COVID-19, all these things. And the only way we can survive and we can live victoriously and fruitfully is that God has to protect us, and God has to rebuke the devourer for us, because otherwise, if God take His hand off and say. Okay, now you run your own life. You don't obey me. You got attacked. This is the reason why in First Corinthians chapter five, verse five, the Bible talk about a man who committed adultery in the church, and Paul say, send him out of the church so that he will be destroyed by Satan. Because when you're out of the church, you're out of protection. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And God answered, in tithes and offerings. And God continued to say, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. I don't want to have a curse because I don't want the curse to go down to the third and fourth generation after me. Bring all the tithes, not half of the tithes, not ninety-nine percent. All the tithes. When I give time, I calculate. 100% of tithe. I don't cheat God. I even keep more. I don't want to cheat God. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Storehouse means where you get food. Where do you get your spiritual food? That there may be food in my house, and try me down in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke. The devourer, the devourer, Satan, demons, sickness and disease and virus, all this, for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, your business. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit 
for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, say the Lord of hosts. God said to the children of Israel in that generation, you have robbed me. You have stolen from me. And they say, in what way? And God say, in tithes and offering. So the question is, you need to answer God yourself. It's not between you and me. It's between you and God. Does 10% of your income is the Lord's? Is 10% of your income the Lord's? Does he owe it? If somebody come and take what belonged to me and use it for themselves and steal it from me, that's called stealing. That's called robbing. If I put money with you, $500, and say, I'm going to come back from Colorado and I need that money back. That's mine. I just want you to keep it for me. But you spend those $500 for yourself, for your own benefit. When I come back, they're gone. Is that robbing? No one answered. Okay. It's between you and God. If something belongs to God and you keep it, you spend it for yourself, in the eyes of God, you are robbing him. If I take money from you and I spend that money that belongs to you for myself, I am robbing you. Stealing. Robbing. Malachi 3.8, I read one more time. Will a man rob God? Can a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. This verse, verse 8, is not Passover idea. It's not my concept. It's God's concept and idea. It's God's idea. How do we rob God? By keeping the 10% of our income and spend it on ourselves. I think God is so fair. I like it. If your uh, salary is $500 a month, when I start uh, my life in Seattle here, my first paycheck is $1,300 from University of Washington. That was about 30-something years ago. $1,300. I gave God 130 Actually, I gave even before tax. Lately, God poured money to me. I get more. I give 10%. I still have 90% left. Wow, still a lot. It's fair. But some Christians go eat food. They don't want to get involved with sharing the expenses of the food at all. Other people pay for that food. But some Christians just want to pay tip $5. Taken advantage of other people that pay the 10% for the food. I'm sorry if you're mad at me, but it's true. If you don't give 10%, you are cheating other believers because they give. And they spend money for the light, for cleaning the carpet, for me to produce spiritual food, but you keep everything for yourself. I know I may lose some member here, but that's okay. I teach the word. Do I have to tithe? 
No, you don't have to. Do you have to come to church? No, you have free will. You can do anything. Do you have to brush your teeth? No. Do you have to put the seatbelt on? No. Do you have to put the mask on? Your friend may be mad at you because you don't care about them. You don't have to do anything. You have a free will. Many Christians don't give to God because they don't know the word. When I became a brand new believer in 1981, I did not give tithe. One year later, the American Missionary Baptist Church taught me about tithing. Right away, I give tithe. And after that, God blessed me. I received testimony from Thailand about all young believers in Thailand. Hundreds of testimony every year about how their life is so miserable financially. And after they decide to give tithe, boom, the bless, the business turn around, the husband and wife return to each other. God bless their children, heal their children. God perform miracles because they tithe toward God according to his promise. But some people don't want to tithe because they're stubborn and they want to rebel against God and they are willing to rob God. I don't want to rob God. My brother and sister, if I perform back surgery on somebody and I say, don't bend over, don't lift anything more than 15 pounds for six weeks. And that person say, why you tell me this? I have free will. I'm going to go out and bend over and I'm going to lift up 100 pounds tomorrow. They will come back for the second surgery very soon. I'm serious. And it happened to me so many times. When people don't listen, don't obey, and they get into trouble. Amen? God said, you have robbed me. It means that 10% belongs to the Lord. Is there a holy portion of our income? Yes, there is a holy portion that belongs to the Lord. That 10% of our income. And the Bible says, the Bible promises that if we tithe, we give 10%. The devourer cannot mess us up. The devourer can be sickness, demon of sickness. The devourer can be the demon of finances, steal money from you. Or maybe family breakdown. Demons can attack you if you rob God. God cannot protect you. My brother and sister, I and my wife have tithed since 1982. And we never stopped tithing since then. We are tithers. Every single penny come in, I calculate and I give tithe to God. We started this church in 1988, January. We never took even one penny as a salary. And we still tie to God. I start to get salary April this year because I retired from my medical work. It is fair because I serve God for 30 years in this church without pay. So the church should take care of me. But all these 30 something years, I never took salary, but I still tie to God. All these years. Therefore, my preaching here is not about I want your money. It's about I'm telling you what I have done according to the Bible. And thank God, God bless me with good health. God bless me financially. God bless my children and my grandchildren because I obeyed the Lord since 1988. We spent 
carpet cleaning money gasoline open our house we do everything without even send bill to the church Actually, yesterday is interesting. I walk in the back of the room to the look room, and I noticed the room was empty now. It used to be packed with stuff, and I was thinking maybe I can move my studio from my bonus room from my house to that room. And suddenly, my spirit say, "No, I want to bless. I want to give. I'm not going to move. I'm going to use my bonus room as a studio to record teaching. Have I ever sent any receipt?" To the church for my electric bill, for the water bill, feeding people that they came to my house. Ten people came for the recording. No, I gave, and this is out of ten percent. But God still take care of me. I rather want to give to God instead of taking advantage of the church financially. Amen. Amen. Nothing in this church is mine. It belongs to God. If I take something from this church home and put in my account, I steal from God. The ties belong to God. I don't take it. It's used for the gospel. It's used to produce the teaching, to produce spiritual food, to give to people. It belongs to the Lord. We don't steal. We don't want to rob God. We don't want to sin against God, and God will take care of us. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at Genesis chapter 14. A lot of people think that tithing is the part of the law only in the time of Moses. Not in the New Testament, not before the law of Moses. Look at way before the law of Moses. Genesis chapter 14, 12 to 20. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, and who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the Terebin tree of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eschol, and brother of Anur. And there were allies with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants. 318. You need to understand. Four kings with big armies fighting with five kings. But the four kings won the battle and took lot with them. How many thousand people? Thousands of soldier in the four kingdoms. But Abraham had only 318 servants. They are not even soldiers. They're just servants. They are farmers who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his force against them by night and he and his servant attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah. And I just jump to verse 17. And the king of Sodom, this is one of the five who lost the battle, went out to meet him, Abraham, at the valley of Shavev. They won the battle. After his return from the defeat of Kedolamo, and the kings who were with him, four kings altogether, was, were defeated by 318 servants. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, he was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him. He blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. The king of Salem, Melchizedek, 
was the king and priest. Abraham knew that his victory against the four kings came from God. 318 men won a big army, and they were not even soldiers. God blessed and gave victory to Abraham. And not only that, Melchizedek blessed him, blessed Abraham. Abraham know that his victory came from the covenant that he had with God. He know that victory came from God. Therefore, he decided to give 10% of what he took from the enemy to God. I knew I was able to finish neurosurgery training to become a neurosurgeon in America because of God. I knew the house I live in right now came from God. I knew we have this building because of God. I knew some of my doctor friends already died from cancer, from lung disease at this age. But I'm still alive because God blessed me. I owe God. He blessed me. And today we have the high priest named Jesus Christ. At the right hand of the Father. Melchizedek is a type of Jesus Christ. He is the king. Jesus is a king. And he is also the priest. Jesus is the king and the priest. The only one person in the whole Bible except Jesus Christ. is both the king and the priest is Melchizedek. And Abraham gave 10% of his income to the priest and the king. Melchizedek, which is Jesus Christ. Who told Abraham about tithing? He did not have a Bible. He did not have the law of Moses. This is way before the law of Moses. Who gave him this information? From God. He learned from God that if you, that 10% belong to God. And he practiced tithing. And God took care of him. Abraham was a tither even before Moses. Look at another one. This one I love very much. Listen carefully. This is a very interesting story. Genesis chapter 28, 15 to 17. Behold, I am with you. I'm going to explain this scripture to you. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Okay, the story is this. Jacob tricked his brother Esau for the birthright. And Esau was so mad, wanted to kill him. Jacob was a young man. No wife, no kids, no business. Young man, he had only one stick and little backpack. When he realized that he was going to be killed by his brother, 
He ran out of the house. He ran away from his dad, his mom. He was so disheartened, so alone. He was young, no experiences, no money. He was afraid, and I believe the devil whispered to him, "You're done. You're gonna die in the desert. You are ruined right now. Your life. You make a big mistake. God hates you now. God will not do anything to you. God will not help you anymore. You're gonna be lost." But what Jacob needed to hear was verse 15 from the Lord. Let me read one more time. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Is that a promise of God? Yes. Oh, I like that. That is mine. That promise. I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, to his father's house. And I will not leave you until I have done what? I have spoken to you. This is a promise. Let me read verses 18 to 22. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, and took the stone and he had put at his head, and set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been loosed previously. Then Jacob made a vow. Everyone say vow. Everyone say, covenant. I make a promise with God. I do my part. He's going to keep his promise. Promise. Covenant. He make a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in his, this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace. Again, he has only one stick, one backpack, nothing. Then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I, I will surely give a tent to you. Abraham won the battle and he gave the tent to God. To tell God, you gave me victory. You are the covenant God. I make a covenant with you. You help me, I give 10% to you. Jacob ran away. No money, nothing. Do you know what happened? Many years later, he came back with his wife, many children, 12 children. And he came back with a large herd of livestock and camels and sheep. And he was a rich man many years later. All these years, he gave 10% to God. He made serious about making commitment with God. He did not cheat God or rob God. He, because he know that 10% belonged to God. God gave us this opportunity to show your faithfulness to God. Are you serious about making covenant with God? Or you play around? Do you believe that God is a covenant God? And he will do what he says. Do you shake hand with God and sign the contract? God, you take care of me in America. You're going to give me a job. One day I'm going to marry a godly wife or a godly husband. And I'm going to have children. And you will help me. I will never lack. I will have food to eat, clothes to wear. You're going to take me wherever you take me to go. You're going to open the door that no one else can open. You will feed me. 
protect me, keep me until 120 years old. You're gonna clothe me. You are my source. You are my provider. I shake hand with you, God. You take care of me. You bless me in this land, America, Seattle. And I promise you, I'm gonna give 10% of my income to you. I keep my words, and you're gonna keep your word. Wow, this is a powerful scripture. Genesis chapter 28. A lot of people who don't want to give to God 10% have mentality called self-sufficient. I am the source myself. God, I went to school for many years. I worked so hard. I earned all this income with the sweat on my brow. I stand up all night to work to make money. I worked so hard. I am my own source. Therefore, why give to you? Hey, I work hard, God. All this money belongs to me. I have my legs. I have my mouth. I can sell. I can make money. I'm so good at computer. Therefore, this 10% is not yours. It's mine. I am the source of this income. Wow. Why so quiet here? Getting hot now. The seat is hot. My brother and sister, make a decision to believe that God is your source. So many things you cannot buy with money. Money cannot protect you from car accident. Money cannot protect you from cancer, from being robbed, from broken home, from losing something in your life. Money cannot protect you from COVID-19. God can protect you. God can provide for you. He is your source. You don't have to worry. If you give 10% to God, He's going to bring customer to you. He's going to protect you. He's going to protect your finances. He will take care of you. Let us be like Jacob. Let us make a vow to God. God, you promise to take care of me. I promise to give 10% to you because it's yours anyway. It's not mine. I'm not going to steal from you. Who is your source? What does 10% of your income belong to? Who belong to? Belong to you or belong to God? Tithing is before the law. And during the law. And after the law. The whole Bible talks about tithing. Not just only the law of Moses. This is the first sermon. You're going to hear more about tithe. I will not tell you which Sunday. They're going to come unexpectedly. We're going to study about tithing in detail from the scripture. So that you know what to do with your own finances. Amen? Do you still love me? How many people want to live a long life? How many people want God to keep you, take care of you to the end of your journey? How many people want God to bless you? Open the floodgate of heaven. Let me read one more time. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. 
that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. He said, try me, test me. And you're going to see I don't lie. And pour out from you such blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, say the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, say the Lord of hosts. This is the promise from God. I'm so proud of my children. They're all tied to God. My son-in-law tied to God. And that's why God blessed them so much. Take faith. Step of faith. Do it. And you will see it. I've been a Christian for 40 years. I started tithing after one year of being a Christian. And to today, I still see. And as a pastor of the church, I notice that everyone in the church that tithe, God bless them so much. You don't drive into a restaurant, eat food, and walk out without paying your bill. In the same thing, tithing is to give to God so that God can produce food for you through his church. It's not free. You need to spend time, buy the computer, pay electric bill, fly to another country to preach the gospel, and you don't want to take advantage of people. Other people give and you don't give. It means you take advantage of them. They are the ones who feed you. Actually, if you don't tithe, you just give tip a little bit, five dollars here and there. You are eating the food that somebody has paid for you for all these years. You don't want to get involved in providing food for other people at all. Is it clear? Why are you so quiet? <laughs> next sermon. Maybe next Sunday. No, no. I'm not going to tell you when. Next time you're going to learn more about tithe. Uh, I will not tell you which Sunday though. I'll wait until more, more people come show up. Especially, I wait until John show up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Let's sing this song together. Surely, his presence is in this place. And why? You know, we come to church with tithe in our hand. And we say, God, you brought me to America. You gave me supernatural training at University of Washington. One of the top 10 neurosurgery programs in America. After I finished training, Lord, you gave me a job in Bellevue and Kirkland. You sent me good patients. You provided for me. You anointed me to be a pastor. You gave this building to this church. Lord, all these years, i still alive because you protect me from virus, sickness, and disease and car accident. Lord, you give me good people, good friends. I never lack anything. I have more than enough. 
You are my source. You are my provider. Therefore, I make a covenant with you, Lord. Ten percent of my income will go back to you because it is yours. I'm not going to rob you. I'm not going to cheat you, Lord. I will do like Jacob, like Abraham. I am thankful, Lord. You give me victory, provision, blessing. You give me life, super abundant life, Lord. You give me a nice house, nice car, godly, wonderful wife, good children, grandchildren. Lord, I am so thankful. I make a deal with you, Lord. I sign the contract. I don't play game with it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. Of angels' wings, I see glory on His face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this His mighty power and His grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on His face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Father, you are the covenant God. You are faithful. You keep your promise. Lord, I believe and declare all the brothers and sisters in this house who practice tithing shall be kept safe, sound, healthy until. The day that you want to take them to heaven, Lord, you shall give them good jobs, good income, promotion, a raise. Open the right door for them, Lord. They shall be the delightful land. And those who are single, Lord, you shall do like to Jacob. You shall give them a godly spouse. Very happy home, and their children shall experience the blessing of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Lord, I believe your hand shall be upon them. They will never lack. 
they shall have more than enough to do every good deeds, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let us experience the fulfillment of your promise. We know, Lord, you don't need our money. You are so rich. You're so wealthy. But you want to test our heart, whether we love you, have faith in you, and obey you or not, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing one more time. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can hear the rush of angels' wings. I see glory on His face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Father, we repent of our sins. Lord, help us not to love money, not to be prideful and think that we are our own source. You are our source, Lord. Oh Lord, we believe what you did to Abraham and to Jacob shall happen to us, Lord. Many of us here are still young; they just graduate. They start their life with one stick and one, Lord, backpack, like Jacob. But many years from now, I'm gonna see them. Prosper, have good family, many children. They will be blessed because they are tied to the Lord, because they love you and obey you, Lord. We believe your promise shall be fulfilled. We make a covenant with you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I see you out at the snack time. I want to greet some of you. Amen. Don't eat too much. Keep for somebody else too. God bless you. <laughs> We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. I'm so thirsty. Friends, they.